Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast, a brand new season for you. Lots of excitement here. John is here with me just like every season, and we're ready to get going on this season, aren't we, John? That's right. It's the season premiere of the Mav Puck Cast. We have a sponsor this season, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. They are the official apparel sponsor of the Mav Puck Cast this season. I told Bridget, I said, write me out a little spiel uh, for Lawler's being the sponsor of the podcast. So she comes back to me. She's got this like, like 500 word essay here. And I'm like, it's going to be like a fourth of the podcast. Uh, if I, if I go through so that. Much, so much for our 20 minute podcast. If your Lawler's intro is 30 minutes. Yeah. We've known uh Lawler's owner, Pat Lawler for many, many years, two decades plus now, uh, a great guy, really wonderful of him to sponsor the Mav Puck cast. We got some special deals going with the sponsorship. You can get a 10% discount on apparel at uh, the LawlersCustom.com website. If you type in code MAVPUCK23, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that on your screen. We also currently, through October 9th, are having a special apparel sale that we are doing through Lawler's Custom. They're doing some custom designs that we designed right now. Hoodies, t-shirts, long sleeve tees that you can get. Visit mavpuck.com slash Lawler's for more information and a link to our store. Orders need to be in by midnight on October 9th. Uh, and then they will be available to pick up at Lawler's Custom Sportswear on 84th Street. Uh, after October 25th, six designs. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you will be seeing those images right now. Uh, and it's great to go through Lawler's because these are officially licensed UNO gear. So you get the O logo or the Bull logo, whichever we put on the design. So uh, it's just been a great partnership so far. Um, I will tell you the exclusives are not eligible for the discount since they are custom apparel. So you'll have to use that on all of the wonderful apparel that Lawler's uh, has brought in for this season, uh, including the gray jersey. Jason is wearing the authentic gray jersey that he uh, that he procured at uh, the auction last season. That's the Caden Bolson jersey, isn't it, Jason? You are correct. Yes, and Caden, unfortunately, Caden has transferred to Minnesota State Mankato. We will talk about them a little bit at the end of the podcast. But Jason, let's jump right in to our annual tradition on this first episode is to do our picks where we think the NCHC teams will finish this season, what the order of the rankings are, how UNO will do in the conference. Who do you think is going to finish in last place? Who do you think is going to finish in eighth place this season, Jason? I think the, uh, the bottom of the NCHC has been the bottom of the NCHC for Last few seasons, I don't see that changing. There's just really nothing nothing new about this program that's going to get them out of the basement yet. Uh, hopefully there's things on the horizon for them that they can um, kind of start this season using the season to, to dig out of. But Miami, Ohio for me is down there at the end. 
Yeah, they've really been in a stuck in a rut the past several seasons. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Chris Bergeron gets that program turned around. I, I think they're one of those programs that it's it's going to be the type of situation where they just, you know, they surprise us one season. They come out of the gate and they do well. It's just going to be one of those things where they happen to get uh, the right mix of recruits uh, and transfer players in there that make a difference. But yeah, I I, uh, I see them at the bottom of the conference as well, which uh, which is too bad because back in the early 2000s, that was a very successful program back in the uh, old CCHA uh, days when the conference alignments were a bit different than they are today. Okay, we're off right, we got the first agreement of the season here. Yes, we got that was whew, that was the easy that was that's the easiest <laughs> uh, part of the season so far, Jason. Who do you see uh, in seventh place in the conference this season? Yeah, I think it gets really muddy here for a while, like two through seven. There's a lot of teams that if things go wrong for them, they could quickly be in those seven seeds, six seeds, things like that. I think if things go right, there are teams that have the pieces and stuff to to contend for a two, three, four spot. Uh, so it was it was really hard with this middle of the NCHC, and it has been for a few seasons here that way, too. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with Colorado College being in the the seventh seed. I think they rely very heavily on the play of their goaltender, uh, and there's a lot of question marks when you kind of move out from there for them, uh, more so than some of the other teams that were there. So um, I'm putting there just strictly because I'm thinking that somewhere along the lines, you know, a lack of scoring or a younger decor ends up hurting. Yeah, they really depended on uh, their talented goaltender last season, Caden Embarico, a terrific goaltender, uh, but they were a little bit one-dimensional last season, like you said. Uh, It seemed like goaltending and defense were what kept them in games, and it'll be interesting to see if they become a more multi-dimensional team. And so I don't know uh, what will happen, but I agree with you on your seventh place pick. Um, I think that Colorado College will be there, but they could very easily be uh, they could very easily be a few places higher. So it will be interesting to see. Jason and I are agreeing on everything right now. So I guess maybe we should have come up with a uh, consensus conference pick at the beginning (laughs) since this is going so smoothly. Jason, who do you like in sixth place in the NCHC this season? Who do you see uh, landing at number six? The media picked our beloved Mavericks uh, in sixth place this season, but where do you see them at? Yeah, and I believe if I remember right, they picked us sixth or seventh last year, and so I don't think that we can uh, christen them as the experts necessarily. I think we're all kind of you know, grasping here for what's going to happen. I think the surprise last season is that this is the spot we found North Dakota, and North Dakota rarely is in the bottom of a conference like back in the wcha days they were almost never down there you know that's a that's a perennial program i think that they come back strong i think they're probably a little upset with the fact that they were in that spot last year so i can't put them in that spot again for me it kind of came down to to two teams um i think that i put omaha here and I think that the reason why Omaha had such a good season last year is because goaltending overperformed and scoring came from people that we didn't expect scoring to come from. 
and those are just two things that are hard to expect to repeat you know I think our goaltending should be pretty solid but I don't think it's necessarily going to be as good as last year um and I I think there's there's big question marks with scoring in the NCHC specifically um but a lot of our our reliance is probably going to be on some of the incoming guys guys that are learning a new system uh, you know making new friends adapting to a new place to live and things like that and I think it's just going to, you know, it's so tight in the NCHC that one or two games that bites you and you're sixth instead of fourth. So I'm putting you an O here in the sixth spot. All right. So Jason agrees with the media pick uh, for me in sixth place. I'm going with Minnesota Duluth. There were some question marks about Minnesota Duluth last season. I'll be interested to see if Scott Sandlin is able to rectify some of those issues with the team. So I'm seeing them in the bottom half of the conference. Pure guess on my part, as many loyal listeners know, uh, first couple of seasons of the Mav Podcast, Duluth was my annual pick to win the national championship every year. <laughs> so I have them in the bottom half of the conference, which is hard to pick with a program that has typically been uh, a fixture in the upper half. Uh, Jason, who do you like as your fifth place finisher in the NCHC this season? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Duluth because that is who I have. Uh, and when I was looking at it and thinking and like mapping out points and stuff, the ironic thing that I came down to is, is that Duluth beat North Dakota um, for rankings on, on a, uh, you know, on a tiebreaker, right? Like they had the same amount of points as uh, North Dakota last year. And so I had them in the same spot. Like I had them tied with Omaha, the same number of points. And I'm like, I don't remember what the tiebreakers were. So I'm just going to assume that whatever it was, they're going to win the tiebreaker. Um, so I can totally support, like I could totally see Duluth down there if if somehow, you know, Omaha ends up with that, uh, that tiebreaker and, and flip-flopping that. But I see those two teams as, um, very competitive, um, very similar. I think Sandlin's for the long time has been known of like to get the most out of players. Like, uh, and it's just, it's, it's his coaching style. It's, it's his program. It's what he's built on. Uh, the guys that go there really want to play uh, in Duluth and they seem to really um, just get behind that team and, and, and grow and perform in that environment. And so, I expect that more of the same will come from Duluth. I like that pick there, Jason. So we're pretty close on those picks. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, third, fourth, and fifth were awfully difficult for me. Uh, in fifth place, I am going with uh, the St. Cloud State Huskies this season. The reason that I'm going with them there, just because I'm a little bit unsure on their talent this season, you know, you look at some of the players who had become fixtures in that lineup over the past handful of seasons, guys like Kevin Fitzgerald, uh, Yami Kronola, goaltender David Rennick. I see uh, the Huskies as fifth in the conference this season. So our fourth place finisher, we're getting into the top half of the conference. Jason, who do you like in fourth place this season? I really struggled with this one. I think this is another really close race between two teams. Um, I actually put Western Michigan here. And I know that that's kind of the hot take this year because a lot of people are high on, on Western Michigan. I just like, I look at the way to play. I look at the style of play and 
there's something that we used to call like there used to be something called a poser team uh and those were the teams that tried to play a style and were usually successful here and there were but were they would struggle to kind of stick with it like western michigan tries to play this this new style of system that's like a a mix between a running gun and 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 kind of more of a slodgy trap style style um and it's like i it gets confusing and i think that if you look at their trajectory it's not going necessarily up it's kind of been fairly level to down to level to down and i'm like i just think this is the year that they might get a little cocky and and might lose some games just out of strear you know unpreparedness or or trying to do more than they should instead of just playing inside their system uh, and so i think they're good enough talent wise to still be a top half of the nchc uh, but I think that in close races, like things like this, I think they're going to miss out on those top three seeds by a couple points. Yeah, yeah, they're always an interesting team. Pat Bershweiler has gotten a lot out of the players that he's brought into Kalamazoo. Um, yeah, they're a little bit of an enigma as well. Uh, five NHL draft picks on the team. Uh, certainly the player that was talked about on social media a lot was uh, getting uh, Alex Bump this season on that roster. I will be interested to see where they finish. So Jason's got the uh, Western Michigan Broncos in fourth place. I am going with uh, our beloved UNO Mavericks finishing in the top half of the conference again this season, as many listeners and viewers of the Map Podcast know. I'm always optimistic on UNO's chances going into the season, much to the chagrin of Jason, by the way. But uh, Every once in a while, I get right on that pick. As you mentioned, there are a number of question marks. I had them right there with St. Cloud State, who I picked in uh, fifth place. When you look at Coach Gabinet, Coach Noel Bernier and company, uh, they've been able to get a lot out of the transfer portal players that they've gotten the last few years. Certainly, Jake Pavanka was a surprise for UNO transferring from Notre Dame last season. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what defensemen like uh, Dom Vidoli, who came here from Ohio State, and Noah Ellis, who transferred after just one season uh, with UMass, are able to do for UNO. And of course, we're excited about uh, a couple of the incoming freshmen. We only have three freshmen this season. Will Craig, a goaltender who came in, uh, but Tanner Ludke uh, from the Lincoln Stars uh, is certainly the uh, offensive juggernaut uh, coming out of the USHL that fans are looking forward to seeing how he performs here at the collegiate level, and uh, Charlie Lurie's uh, the other forward coming in. And as you mentioned, it starts with goaltending. Uh, Simon Lacozzi's back in nets. Uh, he was a solid goaltender for us last season. And really, as you mentioned a few days ago when you and I were talking about this, I think the defensive core for UNO looks like uh, it will be their strength. So I have UNO optimistically in fourth place this season. Jason, who do you have in third place in the conference race? I went with St. Cloud here. I I hear what you said earlier about there's a lot of question marks with with what they're you know with what they're bringing in and stuff. I think <clears throat> it's I think they have they have a uniquely like one of the the best home ice advantages in in college hockey in that they're one of the few teams that plays on the Olympic size sheet of ice. And 
I know coaches will always tell you it doesn't matter. It's still ice. It's still hockey. It's the same game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all that stuff, right? But like as a player, as a coach, I can tell you it's everything's different, especially goaltending there. And I think that that's where they've been able to win close games. Uh, and they've been able to do that a lot because of their goaltenders outperforming the other goaltenders at home. And so I still see and when I was looking at this going like, I really think these two teams are close. Um, you know, in this case, like I really had like four teams. I'm like, this might be separated by like three points total before the four teams. Um, it just came down to like, I think they squeeze out some victories at home that other teams couldn't do. And, and I think that's why, you know, I put them all the way up in three. But like we've been saying in this whole middle of the pack, like it's all it takes is one injury. It takes one off weekend where your goaltenders or your defense or your forwards can't score. You know, those are the question marks we've had for UNO is, you know, where does that scoring come from and stuff? And so one weekend in the NCHC, when you head up to St. Cloud and you can't seem to find goals on that wider ice, you know, boom, just like that, you're six points behind St. Cloud. So, um, so that's kind of how I see it shaking out. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Larson is going to have those guys ready to play. And as you said, it's tough to go into St. Cloud uh, and get a win. They play tough there. Uh, so in third place, I have Western Michigan, who you mentioned before. Again, a team that I think is an enigma to both of us, but uh, I respect Pat Pershweiler a lot. He has done a great job. Uh, with that program since taking over for Andy Murray. Um, again, they're always a ragtag bunch of players, a lot of, uh, a lot of upperclassmen on that roster. And uh, when you get down to crunch time in the NCHC, uh, I think that veteran leadership will make a difference. So uh, again, I have them in three. They could be, in my opinion, anywhere you know, from third down to sixth place. You just never know. It's a flip of the coin when you get to the middle of the conference. Uh, that's why it's so hard to predict on uh, a year-to-year basis. So, Jason, we're getting up. We're getting close uh, to the top here. Who do you have second place in the NCHC for the 2023-24 season? Well, and if people are taking notes and keeping track, once I say this, they'll know who uh, number one is. So I say we talk about them together, if that's okay. Sounds good to me. All right, so number two, I have North Dakota. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, like when I was talking about how where they were before, I think that they've got a chip on their shoulder. I think they're not used to being down at the bottom. I think they're going to they're going to play like a team that had an off year and wants to prove that it was just an off year. And when you look down their roster, all you see is NHL draft, NHL draft, NHL draft, NHL draft, and those are talented players. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's sixth round, seventh round, whatever. Like if you're getting drafted by an NHL team, you have that at least glimmers of that next level talent. Um, and there's just something about those storied programs like North Dakota that, that guys overperform and they, it brings out the best of them. And, you know, North Dakota's problems in the past has been that they get so many of these draftees that they're there one year and gone the next kind of thing. And so um, consistency will be always a question with them. But I think this is the year they they bounce back uh, and, and they're, a, they're a tough force in a tough conference. Um, and then 
there too because Denver is Denver. And quite honestly, they lose uh, Krona in net this year, but their defense has multiple top round draft picks. Like it might be the best defense in college hockey, let alone the NCHC. Um, there's some real skill there. There's a lot of puck moving. They play uh, a style of hockey that can be very difficult to defend. Uh, and so any question marks from an offensive perspective, a lot of times are just negated by the offensive ability of their defensemen and the style of play that they play. Uh, I think the biggest question is who steps in for Chrome, right? And so if whoever they end up with in net taking the majority of their of their starts there uh, struggles uh, or, you know, ends up with a 2.5 GAA or something or higher, um, then I then I could see someone taking over taking Denver off of that that top stand. But honestly, until someone does, I'm not I'm not going to assume that it's going to happen. You've got to prove to me that you can take Denver down. It's hard to bet against the champs. Uh, certainly Coach Carl um, and his two talented assistants who were at uh, Alaska Fairbanks uh, for many years. Um, Tavis McMillan and Dallas Ferguson have done a great job recruiting there. Uh, have done a great job harnessing the talent that they have. Just to be different, I'm going to pick them in second this year. Um, you mentioned uh, them not having Magnus Krona. I think, uh, I think that may be a bigger issue than we think. Maybe not. We will see. Um, it's, it's hard to bet against North Dakota. Uh, it's hard to see them as being a team that's going to be down two seasons in a row. I think that's why they've been picked so high. Uh, in various media polls and by various prognosticators online. Uh, there was a lot of talk uh, during the offseason about them rebuilding their defensive core. Um, but man, you look at the roster and you look at the forwards they have uh, coming back this season. You look at guys like Jackson Blake and Reese Gaber, both very, very talented uh, skaters for this team. Uh, we also have to consider Cam Berg, who was one of our talented forwards who transferred uh, after last season to North Dakota, had always dreamed of playing for North Dakota. He's on that team, but I have them in first place this season, Jason. It will be interesting to see, but turning to our things, things you missed at Baxter, Baxter Arena. We haven't even been to a game yet at Baxter Arena, and we're already doing the things you missed at Baxter Arena. Jason is uh, regretting that he named this segment that, but... Uh, we got to attend a preseason open house for the hockey program at Baxter Arena. It was a lot of fun as usual. I really enjoyed these open houses. We got to see an inter-squad scrimmage. So we got to see uh, one period and overtime period and then a shootout with the players. There were autographs. Some of the players were in the uh, concourse uh, at tables uh, signing autographs. Some of the players were on the ice uh, for a skate with the Mavs deal. Uh, signing autographs so you had to maneuver around if you were going to get all of the guys uh, to sign your uh, schedule posters or uh, or uh, roster sheets that they had available there was merchandise available you had the UNO bookstore you had Lawler's custom sportswear on hand Jason what did you think of the open house event the most entertaining moment for me was my brother-in-law Neil trying to get skates on my six-year-old nephew, Anson, who has never been on the ice to skate. But the sweet boy uh, decided to give it a try. 
And after one lap, holding on to the boards around the ice, he's like, I never want to come back here. So, so, so that went very, very well. Uh, but it was funny as, as he was trying to get, and I'm just telling ants and just stomping your skates to get them on. And Neil's just looking at me like, this is the most frustrating thing ever. But what did you think about the event, Jason? I think it's good. They've done, they've done this before with the <clears throat> skate with the team. Um, and that's always, I think, something that especially the kids look forward to. It's just something unique. Um, you know, I know I've, I've heard at least like in years past before my time uh, that it was a youth only event. And, you know, I, I think it really does. Like for me, it's like, eh, I mean, I'm on the ice all the time. Huh? Um, but it is kind of nice to see our kids and like your, your niece and nephews out there and kind of enjoying some time, you know, with the hockey players when they look like hockey players. Uh, and not just, you know, sitting down at a table and saying hi as they pass sheets kind of down the line and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I really like that. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff new this season coming at Baxter Arena. So I'm sure part of this event was just getting the regulars, the season ticket holders, the people that come to a lot of games kind of used to there's going to be things that are different. Um, parking's different uh entrances are different ticketing is different uh food options are different and so uh, a lot of those things just kind of um making the introduction now so that you're not doing it at the first game of the season is is a good idea for the club what did you think of the metal detectors the metal detectors being the newest thing coming into the arena uh when you come in the doors to the lobby at Baxter Arena this season you will have to take your phone and your keys out of your pockets hold them up over your head and then and then walk in assuming the buzzer doesn't i i don't know i've only been through it once i know it, it kind of reminds you of when you go through the scanners the tsa scanners at the airport um, I'll be interested to see on cold nights in January and February how exactly this works and what kind of line is going to be out the door at Baxter Arena. I I will say what I what I want our listeners to to know going into this because you know we're sitting here on an on a October first that is ninety some degrees which is just like weird um, so it it's kind of odd talking about this but. In years past, with the way that they did an entry is, even though the, the gates weren't open yet, there was enough room between the lobby area at Baxter and the vestibule between the two doors that most people could get inside in some of the colder weather. And with where they placed everything and the amount of space that they need to make this happen the way that they've got it set up, um, we need to we need two things one you need to be kind to the people who actually have been standing there in the vegetable and don't just leave the doors wide open and let the cold air in because that's going to be from a hockey rink perspective i don't want that air in my arena it changes the ice and so be a fan and and and, and know that but also just like be kind and courteous and realize that you might be prepared. You might be standing outside if you show up, you know, 20, 30 minutes before uh, the gates open or something. It's possible that you may need to be standing outside for, you know, a good 10 to 20 minutes. And 
so bundle up and and be prepared but uh it's <laughs> the arena is just like it just doesn't have the space for for really something like this so it's 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 gonna be a process and people just need to be level-headed and understand that this is the way it needs to happen and just have patience and all be okay yeah i mean jason and i are certainly proponents of safety uh at large gatherings like sporting events so uh, in principle uh, neither of us are against this it i think logistically it's going to be interesting to see uh how this goes early on especially when you're talking about crowds um for events like hockey i haven't been to a concert or other sporting event at baxter arena since they instituted these things so the open house was obviously a a limited participant event because you don't typically get you know 2000 people uh, at the or more at the arena for something like that i'm i'm with you on this i i don't know i'm i'm taking a wait and see approach we'll see how uh, it progresses this season i'm sure if there are issues jason and i will definitely be we'll yeah. definitely when there yeah. are issues it will be brought up on the podcast yes jason and i will not shy away from talking about uh, any issues with the metal detectors uh that happened this season but once again a great event great to catch up with fans great to uh chat with coach gavin Nets, uh and athletic director adrian dowell at the event uh this is really, really nice, uh, really nice way to kind of kick off the season. It's so weird not being able to pick up printed tickets anymore, Jason. You know, they're just digital tickets on our phone. Uh, I was talking about that on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, uh, calling it now this week. And there were a number of fans who missed those glossy ticket books uh, that fans uh, around college hockey used to get. Uh, do you miss the printed tickets? I know you're a you're a big tech guy, uh, Jason. Do you miss the printed tickets at all? Or are you happy with the? Um, like I miss the, I miss the the nostalgia of having something. Is what I would say. Like, I like you said, I'm a digital guy. I I have a tendency, and this was a this was a problem like way way back when and stuff. It's like I would <laughs> never lost a ticket, but I have had them like drop out of my pocket and. Like I didn't like having to fumble around with them. So when like everything on my phone is a good thing for me personally, but I do miss the, you know, having the, like this season, this is what I re, you know, this is kind of that, that thing that kind of trips your memory, right? Like that thing of like this season was this, right? And I know people who have <clears throat> kept their ticket books from back then where, you know, they didn't even rip them out when we had the perforated ones and stuff and they'd take the whole book and they'd scan the book and, you know, and I, I kind of miss that connection to fans. I think there's enough people out there that like having something that is specific to that season. And especially with season ticket holders that are specific to season ticket holders, where it's like, our ticket's not the generic thing that you print off on a reel and it looks like everything else. And it's just, you know, your seat number and your section printed on a standard, you know, framed format kind of thing. Like, the graphics that they did and the the stuff that they like the the designs and stuff were really cool and having a different you know a different look and feel to each season and I think that there's some um, there's some value and I I would encourage the university to try to find ways to bring that back in to 
you know, we've talked a lot in prior podcasts about bringing value to season ticket holders um, because, you know, these are the people who are buying tickets and not just waiting for you to do a buy one, get one sale or, you know, $5 off or $10 off or whatever kind of, you know, marketing promotions that they do throughout the season to try to hit those uh, sellout numbers for UNO hockey. Um, these are the guys that are your base. These are the ones that make it so that you can get there because you don't get to selling out that arena on single game tickets if you don't have a good base for season tickets. And I think this is a, an opportunity for them to say, like, as a season ticket holder, here's something commemorative of the season um, that, that only you get for being a season ticket holder. So I'd like to see them bring something like that back. I completely agree. Bridget and I were some of those fans who would uh, bring the entire ticket book to games and have them scan the tickets in the book so we could preserve the book. I have many totes uh, in our basement of UNO hockey memorabilia, including every printed program uh, that they sold going back to the beginning of this program, printed media guides, ticket books, etc. And it's a lot of fun to be able to go back uh, and look at that. It also takes up a lot of room in our house. So some people aren't down with that, but someday uh, the UNO library is going to get a great collection of UNO hockey memorabilia from us. Uh, so everybody will benefit from that at some point down the road. But like you, I kind of miss having that kind of commemorative thing. And maybe they can introduce something. I don't know what it is uh, in the future. But uh, but we have uh, a new piece of uh, potential memorabilia for fans that was introduced this week on social media by uh, the UNO Athletic Department. We have new home jerseys, Jason, new white jerseys. Uh, they look very similar. And in fact, I think they're exactly the same as our previous white jerseys. Instead, But instead of saying Omaha in black letters on the front, as Jason is showing you, the bullhead, the Maverick Bull is now back on the front of the jersey back on the UNO home white jersey for the first time since the 2010-2011 season. Jason, what did you think of the jerseys? I heard some very interesting uh, reaction by fans on social media. What do you think of the I, new home? I want to know what you thought first, because I think this is more like I'll give you my opinion, but this is more like your alley kind of thing than it is mine. Yeah, Jason, it's well, it's not really more my. Jason wants to know because we were talking about this via text and he commented on it and then I didn't. So I think he might have been worried that I had some opinion that like disagreed with him. I didn't necessarily have an opinion that disagreed. I was just I was busy doing something else at that moment. So I never got back to it. Um, there are some fans, I will say, who are disappointed that they didn't take the opportunity to completely kind of rethink the home jersey, maybe add like a red stripe in there or do something different with kind of the overall design, maybe something more modern or something. Um, UNO basically did what fans have been asking for. Fans have been saying we want to have the, the bullhead on the home jersey. So UNO gave us what we asked for, which was the bullhead on the home jersey, but the design is essentially the same. Harkens back to the original UNO hockey jersey, that red and white jersey um, that had the bullhead on it. I mean, what 
I thought it, I think it looks great. I mean, I think it looks it looks I, good. What do you, what I do agree. You, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely an improvement over the kind of the generic beer can jerseys that we had at home. What do you think of the jersey overall, Jason? Because you shared your thoughts with me via text. I know you have opinions on this. I always you, have an opinion. <laughs> absolutely. You're Jason, you're an NHL guy. You see a lot of different jerseys during the season. What do you think of the jersey? Like I said, better than the Omaha on the home jersey. I think it's appropriate for home games and on that home jersey to have the Red Maverick Bowl. It's just, it's tradition. It goes back to the beginning of this program. I love seeing it on there. Looks great. But what did you think about the jersey? I'm, I'm with the fans. Like, I really felt like the bowl needed to be, especially when they brought this out, right? When they brought the, these gray jerseys into the set and i think that the the fan reactions to that this is one of my favorite looks is the gray jersey you know especially with the patches up um with the the nationality the the flag of their country kind of thing like i really thought that that was um a good thing for the university to do uh and i love that they took that logo and put it on the home home jersey because the fans really wanted it uh, and and I I love that the university is responding to their fan base and saying like let's amp their opinions. Um, I I expect that they'll probably sell more jerseys this year than they have in in past because I think the fans said we want this and they're gonna show you with their with their hard earned money that yeah that's that's what we like right. Um, my my complaint about it is is like. I feel like it was the minimum, right? Like it was like the fans want this. Let's just give them what they want. And that's all we're going to do. Right. And it's almost, it's one of those missed opportunities. And I don't know, to be quite honest, like as a marketing guy, this might be like the one step that we could take this year. And there may be bigger things in the future. Cause I could see me doing like sitting in their position. Like this is probably what I would do. Right. Like the fans want this. I put this on their Jersey. You know, we sell a bunch and then I, I'm going to make everyone mad here, but like then next season, what I do is I redesign all three of them and we do a full new logo and we go full rebrand and, you know, we make a big splash of it. Like, I think they could have done more with a Jersey and I don't know if it's just like, they didn't have the money to do it. They didn't have the desire to do it. They didn't knowledge to do it didn't like something was missing from the equation that they couldn't do it this season um or if it was a you know a known entity of them saying like we're just not gonna go that far yet um but i do think that there there's a little bit of a missed opportunity to really do a redesign and and you know you look at logos from some other teams and you know ahl nhl even echl and stuff like there's new textures there's new designs there's new capabilities with the way they design jerseys and stuff and a lot of teams are doing redesigns uh last year and then into this year i've seen a lot of teams um kind of upping their game when it comes to to that look and feel um and it bleeds into every other marketing piece that you're doing the you know we talked about the partnership with lawlers and stuff like it bleeds into them and their ability to take you know, a new logo, a new look, a new feel, a new edge and amplify that with t-shirts and hoodies and hats and all that additional merchandise. It would be cool to see them do kind of a, a full rethinking of the uniforms to give fans something fresh because over the years 
we've changed things up a little bit. We've done different things with striping, uh, different things with the home and the road jerseys. So I think that that would be interesting. Like you, I love the gray alternate jerseys. I love having the, uh, the flag of the player's nationality uh, on the shoulder. I think that that's really cool. I love the, the single black stripes on the sleeve and on the lower torso of the jersey. I think that that's great. Um, Lawler's Custom Sportswear, who I will mention again, is our merchandise sponsor this season on the Mad Podcast. We'll have replicas of these new white home jerseys at a later date. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they unveil anything else interesting uh, this season, like the military jerseys they did last season. Uh, uh, maybe a retro jersey. Uh, we will have to see what happens this season. I'm curious to see. This is a step in the right direction. So baby steps. I know some fans wanted something new, fresh, uh, more exciting, but uh, but we're getting there. This, John, this do you really fun. like? Do you think they'll do that? Because we've talked about on the podcast the difference between it's usually right around like one of the last home games of the year is when UNO does the Leap for a Cure partnership. Um, and they've done jersey auctions and stuff and and that and that's been a that's been a thing that we've talked about on the podcast right um and i remember i can't remember if it's last season or not i don't think it was last season it was the season before is like like you look at what the nhl does and they do hockey fights cancer and there's a special jersey and there's a lot of special jersey nights military night and things like that do you think that that this is done so that they're better prepared or better set up to do something like that where we see a you know, leap for a cure partnership jersey that's only worn that night, or uh, you know, mil I know they've done military appreciation before. Do they do a camo jersey with the with the bull on the head and the nationality on it, or something? Do you no? Know, do you think we're setting? Do you think the university's setting us up for that, or do you think it's just maybe they do it and maybe they don't, and it's not part of this uh, update? We'll call it. You know, it's interesting that you asked that, and I'm curious after last season. I don't know. I, I hope maybe they are doing those things. I know they generated a lot of revenue on those two auctions, and Bridget and I got suckered into both. We thought the, we thought the military auction, is, as we talked about on this podcast, was going to be the only special jersey auction last season, and then uh, not long after that, they announced the Leap for a Cure, and we had to get one of the great jerseys that the team wore. Um, I hope maybe they're going that direction. I love the idea of special uniforms. I love it in college football uh, throughout the season to see some of those unique uniforms that the teams wear. But one thing that I was going to mention on that is I don't know what the production schedules are uh, for these jerseys, how soon in advance they have to get them. I also don't know with Adidas getting out of, uh, of the uh, NHL contract with jerseys, I don't know how that's going to affect UNO getting that particular style of jersey because you know obviously adidas is our merchandise supplier and they've been wearing the adidas jersey like uh, the nhl teams wear i don't know how that's going to affect things in the future so we'll see if this was just a temporary thing and they'll do a full-on redesign there's all kinds of politics with hockey jerseys that you and i as fans have heard about over the past you know many seasons when it comes to this program so it will be interesting to see but jason we have an exhibition coming up to start the season it's going to be in mankato minnesota against the minnesota state mankato mavericks uh, a team that there's been a lot of talk about over the past 
you know, decade or so. Mike Hastings did a great job with that program. Mike Hastings is no longer there. He's moved on to greener pastures at Wisconsin. Interesting to see if he turns that program around. Uh, because it's an exhibition, Jason and I are not going to do predictions for this lone game. It's just you never know what the coaching staff uh, is going to do as it regards personnel for an exhibition, et cetera. It'll be interesting to see, but this will be this upcoming Saturday, October 7th, 6.07 p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can watch it on Flow Hockey, which is Jason's least favorite hockey streaming service because it's so expensive to get a month of it. We've had discussions about Flow Hockey on this podcast uh, before. Link to, link to one of my rants on Flow Hockey, so I don't have to go through it again. Yes, I can link to Jason rolling his eyes about Flow Hockey. Or you can listen to it here in Omaha on 1290 Coil. I will say uh, that if you are listening to the radio broadcast, uh, we have a new play-by-play man on the broadcast. Mike Valencourt will join Terry Leahy uh, this season. Uh, Bridget and I got a chance to meet Mike at the open house. Uh, he's a seasoned veteran who's been calling hockey games for years. Seems like a really good guy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how he does on the broadcast this season. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, forward to it any thoughts on the exhibition jason uh or anything else we discussed in the podcast this week uh i'm yeah I, it'll be i'm curious to see what you know what the coaching staff does with you and know uh who plays that usually tells you like who's maybe nursing a little bit of an injury maybe isn't healthy and ready to go quite yet um and so there'll be a lot of telltale signs kind of through some of that stuff just by the personnel that they choose and and just what they're looking for, what the line combinations are. Like that's a big thing right now is you don't have a lot of guys that, you know, you had stable lines last year that you're just bringing back the, the full three this year. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of messing around and trying to find chemistry. And this is the game where you're going to see a lot of like, all right, let's just try this guy out there at a totally new position or something like that. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jason. I know you've talked a lot as we've analyzed this team over the past several seasons about team chemistry and finding those guys who click together and work well together. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if we see uh, freshman Tanner Ludke in this game. He was not uh, playing in the uh, inter-squad scrimmage that we got to see uh, at Baxter Arena during the open house. Um, I'm excited to see how the guys perform this season. It's always fun to see how the guys look out there on the ice. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the coaching staff does with the team this season. Uh, I will tell you that it was really rough getting through the podcast today. I have not talked on uh, a video call with anybody since uh, the season ended last year, Jason. So, so it's uh, we're in preseason form, but uh, we'll get back into it. As always, be sure to follow Mav Puck on Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever it's called this week. Uh, and you can find links to all of our social media channels at mavpuck.com. So until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs.